0: So, lest you ever doubt that um, God has a wonderful sense of humor, let me share with you very briefly. If you were here last week, uh, you know that I talked about you talk about being scared, and I talked about the habit I have of lovingly hiding myself in locations that the administrative assistant lives moxton um, does not expect me to be and scaring Jesus right into her as often as I can and uh, and so so I shared that story I shared some of the ways that I've I've done that well what goes around comes around and not from Liz though about midweek I think it was about Wednesday we had a gentleman at the parsonage who was doing some work on the the back part of the house Uh, Mike and uh, Mike had his truck there and he was working and about 4 35 o'clock I looked and I didn't see Mike back there and I couldn't see his truck so I figured he'd finished and he'd left no big deal and a few minutes later I opened up the garage and I walked out to go get the mail well unbeknownst to me Mike's truck was still there and he had gone to the other side of the house to use the spigot to wash his hands and as I came up Mike came behind me and all he said was, hey, Pastor Chris. And I wet myself. <laughs> I mean, just scared. He didn't mean to. He wasn't trying to. But it was one of those things where somebody wasn't where you expected them to be. And I got 12 feet off the air. I mean, I just, and I just laughed after what I thought, I deserve that. You know, I just, I deserved it. So it, it comes back around and, and, uh. You know, like I said, and I just thought, yeah, the Lord, the Lord got a laugh out of that this morning. Speaking of getting a laugh out of things, um, our scripture is Psalm 146. We're going to turn there in a few moments. We're going to get there in a little bit. But um, as as you know, um, obviously, um, Tuesday's an election, and. Uh, there are many of us that are approaching the election uh, with the same kind of um, emotional kind of response to it. What I mean is, there are some of you here that um, you're very passionate, you're very much supportive of one or the other candidates, and that's okay. It's okay. I'm not here to criticize. I'm not here um, to, to point fingers. Some of you are in that place. But there are a lot of us that are either have already voted um, or going to the polls and let me say please vote please be engaged please participate it's a it is a a responsibility and it's a blessing it's a gift of of our process Um, but but you're going and and you're not going with a lot of joy you're not going with a lot of enthusiasm you're not going with a lot of excitement and you're going and I think we're all kind of weary at this point we're all a little bit weary of the the presidential process and the, the the debates and the commercials and the accusations and it, it just it, it can get a little fatiguing, a lot fatiguing, and and so I wanted to have a little bit of fun this morning, just a little bit, a little bit of of levity into a very serious situation or a significant situation, and um, you know I, I hope you receive this with the intention that it's meant, but uh, as I was talking to Tony this week, I was surfing uh, through some social media, and I saw some, some stickers that made me laugh. And sometimes it's good, and you know me, if you worship here regularly, you know I like to laugh. I enjoy being together when it's appropriate. I, I enjoy the, the fun of the fellowship. And I saw these, and I thought, I really want to share these with you, because for some of us, it, sum, it, it sums up exactly what we're feeling. So you may have seen some of these, but, but again... Take them with the spirit they're intended, but these are I Voted stickers. You know the I Voted stickers that you see? Well, these are some I Voted stickers, but they're a little bit different, and they really spoke to me, so maybe they'll speak to you. Here's the first one I wanted to share. I Voted, and I've never felt, felt so bad about myself, if you can't read that or up here. That's one I could, I could take, um, or, or this one. Um, I Voted, and, and I could use a hug. That's, that's one that summed up how I felt. Um, I voted, and I'm so sorry, America. Um, that was one. Joe, I didn't tell you, or Jay, I didn't tell you, I got the controls up here, too. I'm throwing him off, because I'm messing, and I know he's wondering what's going on. Um, but here's a couple more. It says, I, um, I voted, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and then the last one, just for the biblical connection, it says, I voted, and it's about to start raining frogs. Um, I, I saw those, and I just, I just laughed, and, and again, late hearted, but, but it's kind of the way a lot of us feel. Then I saw one other thing I wanted to share with you for fun. Uh, it's a video clip, and it comes a few years back. It's a few years old now. It came from a sitcom, some of you may remember, called Third Rock from the Sun. Okay, some of you remember. You may have seen this. It's been going around, but this is a, a, a clip dealing in the storyline of the sitcom about having to face an election. And I thought, you know what? This is where a lot of us are, so enjoy this for the morning. There is no choice. My only choice is not to vote at all. Democracy is horrible, absolutely horrible. You're so right. Democracy is the worst form of government there is, except for all of the others. And that is exactly why you have to vote. No. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. If you don't vote, you can't complain. Complaining is all I have left. (laughs) Oh, God. I hope I did the right thing. uh i i'm glad you enjoyed that i i it is meant to just to be somewhat lighthearted, but i think in all seriousness that 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 last phrase i hope i did the right thing i mean i think that's what a lot of us feel i mean we, i hope that's what we all feel we all want to do the right thing we may not always agree on what the right thing is but we want to do the right thing but i i was I, you know part of what makes it funny is and identifiable is because a lot of us feel that way you know it's it's been it's a it's a it's a long, drawn-out, sometimes unpleasant process, and we feel a little bit of that fatigue. And I kind of like that scene where he's kind of leaned over the, the voting booth, you know, and I imagine that's kind of at least the way a lot of us feel. And, and so, obviously, that's what's spinning in my head as I'm thinking, what are some words that I, that I need to hear as we approach a presidential election and all the, un, you know, down-ticket elections. What are some things I need to hear? Maybe what are some things that, that you need to hear? And it's certainly not about candidates, and it's not even really about the election itself, but, but what does God need to remind us as Christians as we face these kind of decisions as we do every four years? And with that in mind, I, I came to the 146th Psalm, and that's the scripture that I want to read this morning. Because it begins to reorient us in ways that I think are incredibly important and valuable for us as, as we approach Tuesday. So hear this prayer, this song, this, these words that are written by the psalmist. I'm going to read the entire psalm. It's 10 verses. And beginning at verse 1, and this is how it starts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. And amen. Brothers and sisters, let's pray. Lord, we pray your blessing on the reading of these words and that our hearts would be filled with your praise our lips would be filled with your praise our eyes would be focused on you he, speak to us in these words speak to us in these moments we pray in Christ's holy name amen and amen so as I read the forty-six psalms, I began to kind of put my thoughts together and think through what I wanted to say this morning what I realized is that it really isn't about candidates it really isn't about political parties. It isn't really about platforms. It really isn't ultimately at its deepest level about who you're going to vote for on Tuesday. But it's about us. It's about where our eyes are fixed. What is it we see? Where are we focused? And the psalm becomes a necessary refocusing, a recalibration, if you will, that I need and that maybe you need. That the psalmist speaks to remind us where we're we look for our hope and our deliverance. And so the psalm begins by immediately focusing that, and and that becomes very, very important because too often we're looking in the wrong places. We're we're just, our eyes are fixed in the wrong places, and that can be incredibly frustrating. How many of you have ever been to um, Blue Man Group? Anybody ever seen Blue Man Group? I know a few, okay. How about Cirque du Soleil? Anybody ever been to Cirque du Soleil? All right, a few of you. Uh, Those are two shows that came to mind that they're wonderful shows. I love them and and highly commend them to you if you ever get a chance to go. But they can be incredibly frustrating to watch. And this is why they can be frustrating. Because as opposed to a play or a musical or more traditional um, shows where all the attention is usually focused in one place. If you go to some of these shows, there's stuff happening all over. You know, if, if you go to a Blue Man group, there's stuff happening here, and there's monitors over there, and there's stuff happening over there, so your head's on a swivel. And if you're like me, it drives me nuts when I'm looking over here, and I hear people gasp in astonishment at what they saw over there, and I missed it. It's too late, you know, because I want to see everything. And so you don't know where to look. Uh, Ryan and Cassie and I, as I've told you before, we've gone out a few times over the last year and watched meteor showers. Nothing drives me nuts. Like when I'm looking in the north for a, for, a, for a shooting star, and they find one in the west, and by the time they see it, I've missed it, you know, because I'm looking in the wrong direction. Now, that happens, but, but what the psalmist knows is that happens to us spiritually, We begin to look in the wrong direction. So right from the beginning, the psalmist focuses our attention, our eyes and our hearts where we need to be looking. And it does right on God. Begins with these words, praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. We're going to, from the beginning, focus on God. Focus on God. This prayer is part of the Jewish um, morning prayers. It is a psalm that is read for the Jewish morning prayers. And why would you begin a day with a psalm like this? Because it begins us right out of the bat looking to God, focusing our eyes upon him. Many of us need to be asking ourselves, where are we looking? What are our eyes fixed upon? For the psalmist, he knows what the people of his days were looking for, and I think it's true for many of us. We need to look in the right direction so we can stop looking in the wrong direction. And what does the wrong direction look like? Well, here are the next words of the psalm. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On, the very day, on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob. Do not put your trust in in princes that's the psalmist saying stop looking first and foremost to the powers of this world to the authorities of this world to the leaders of this world because they are not your source of hope deliverance and salvation i think that's a word that we desperately need to hear this is not a sermon saying you shouldn't be involved okay let's let's lay this out right at the beginning it's not to say you shouldn't be passionate about the things that you believe are important, God calls us to be involved and engaged and participate. But it's about saying, where's our ultimate hope? Where's our first and foremost focus? And the psalmist understood the trap that his people fell into time and time again. It was the very thing that God was worried about in the very beginning of Samuel, at the end of Judges, when the people in the Old Testament, when they started to to clamor for a king, they wanted a king, Now they had these judges that had ruled over them and God had raised up men and women in the right time to lead them. But they wanted a king. They wanted a king because every other nation had a king. So why don't we get one? And God was resistant, but in in time he, he kind of allowed them to have what they wanted. It was exactly what God warned them about because over and over again they put their hope and their trust in the earthly man, who sat on the throne. They believed if they had the right king, if they just had the right person at the top of the the leadership chart, everything was going to be okay. And they took their eyes off God time and time again. But yet God's plan was always in motion God's hand was always at work and what is so fascinating about the history of of the Israelites the history of the Jewish people is that many times they had very godly and faithful and obedient kings maybe not many times a few times they had very godly faithful obedient kings and when they did God's hand was at work but I want you to hear this many times they had wicked evil and unfaithful kings and you know what happened then God's hand was at work Sometimes foreign kings overthrew them like Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon who came in and took the people into exile. And you know what? God's plan was at work. And sometimes those foreign kings set the people free and delivered them and let them return home like Darius and Xerxes of the, of the Syrian empire. And you know what? God's plan was at work. The powers of this world have never had dominion over the hand of God. They've never had authority over the will of God. They've never... Been able to bend God to their wishes, God's power always reigns supreme. Where are our eyes focused? What is our hope and our strength and our deliverance? In fact, the most powerful man in Judea, in the time in which Jesus lived, appointed by the emperor of Rome, was a man by the name of Pontius Pilate. And he interrogated Jesus. He tried Jesus. He asked Jesus about his message. He heard the testimony of the things Jesus said. He heard Jesus speak about the kingdom and the power that God had given. And he looked at Jesus and he said, this is a a bunch of garbage. And he sought to stamp out Jesus. He sought to put an end to his message. And he looked at Jesus and he said, crucify him. And you know what? God was at work. And the only reason you know who Pontius Pilate is is because of his part in the Jesus story. The only reason you know about the government authority is because of his role in the message of Christ. God's hand is at work. We trust in him. We look to him, and I'm not either vilifying or, or um, elevating Politicians and leaders, they play a role and God can use them. And when their hearts are, are right with God, it is a beautiful and a powerful thing. But understand, God's plan is never dependent upon any one of us. Because God's will will be done. His kingdom will move forward in the power of his Holy Spirit at work. We need to fix our eyes on God. We need to trust in him and be about the things that he's called us to regardless of what political party is in power regardless of what senator or house of representative or president or any other elected official says or does our allegiance is to god and we talked about it earlier we're talking about a day where we pray for the persecuted church these are places people go to church every sunday or they gather to worship in homes and small groups where their lives are at risk where governments need to stamp them out and the holy spirit's moving I told you, I was in China last year where it is you can only have churches that are government-sanctioned. You can't have gatherings that the government doesn't approve and yet people are doing it anyway. And as the communist reign got tighter and clamped down deeper on Christianity, you know what? The movement flourished all the more because the Holy Spirit will not be stopped because the Holy Spirit moves and people there have learned, as in many parts of the world, to put their trust in God, not in authorities. To put their trust in God because he's the one where their hope from which their hope comes and when we begin to do that we begin to be driven to be about the things that God has called us to be about in presidential elections we always hear talk about whatever values are most dominant well you know what the psalmist reminds us what God's values are Jesus embodied these words in the psalms I want you to hear again verse 7 8 and 9 he being God upholds the cause of the oppressed He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. What does God care about? The oppressed, the hungry, the hurting, the afflicted. And we all find ourselves in there someplace. Hear that. That's not just them, that's us. Because God has set us free. But he calls us to be about those things. I sat here yesterday. I had a privilege to come up. Jimmy Rackey was out of town, uh, as he is this weekend, he and Lori. So he asked me to come up and help, as I do on, on occasion, with the food distribution. So I'm here on a Saturday morning with our awesome volunteers who come, some of them, every, you know, twice a month, and give up three and four hours of their day to come and put together food baskets and set out tables and help people come through and get food produce and and breads and bags of food who need it to feed the hungry and then they come down here with our volunteers they are down here making a hot meal and serving lunch and they live God's values they care for the hungry the least and the lost they do what they can to live out and this is what I was thinking you know what in two weeks those volunteers are still going to be doing that regardless of who wins this election on Tuesday they're going to be doing that because that's what God calls us to, and it's not dependent upon the powers of this world. God calls us to be about the things that matter to him, that matter to Jesus, because our eyes are fixed on him, and we're fixed on Christ, we become more like Christ, and it becomes our passion. It becomes our truth. Now, let me make a prediction. You can write this down. I'm gonna make a prediction. On Wednesday morning... The day after the election, the day the election is over, Lord willing, um, this is what I know will happen. Some of you are going to wake up very excited. The person you wanted to win is going to have won. Some of you are going to wake up very sad. The person you did not want to win is going to win. But here's what I can tell you. No matter who wins the election, God is still on his throne. Whomever wins the election, God is on his throne. And if you are sad on Wednesday, take heart. There'll be another one in four years. And they'll start campaigning in February, so you'll be fine. Because we take the long view. We take the long view. Here again, how the psalmist ends. I want to go read the end and then go back to the middle. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And then in verse 6, He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He remains faithful forever. Leaders will let us down. Humans will let us down. We will let each other down. God does not let us down. So we set our hope high, higher than the powers of this world. We set it on Christ. In fact, I pulled this sermon title from a song that we used to sing when Tony and I led youth group years ago. It was from an an Amy Grant song from Songs from the Loft. And it just went, I've got my hope set high. That's why I came tonight. I came to see the truth. I came to see the light. I do my best to pray to the Father. But the one thing... That I know for sure is that when it all comes down, if there's anything good that happens in life, it's from Jesus. It's from Jesus. We set our hope high. We fix our eyes on Christ. I want you to hear the way that Paul writes about this in Hebrews chapter 12, and this is where we'll end this morning. Grow weary or lose heart. Brothers and sisters, our hope is not in the powers of this world. Our hope is on Christ. Fix your eyes on him. Do not grow weary and do not lose heart. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, may your truth give us your hope, fill us with your joy, and empower us by your presence as we have our eyes fixed on you. And we pray your hand in our election, and we pray your will be done, and we pray for our elected and soon-to-be-elected officials, but we don't find our hope in them, we find it in you. Help us to set our hope high. In Christ Jesus we pray, Amen. amen. I found myself, as I was reflecting and preparing for us to celebrate communion together, Picturing, as I do often, the scene—you know, my my mental recreation of what it would have looked like to have been in that room that first night of the 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 supper that Jesus shared with his disciples, that night in which he first celebrated this meal that we celebrate. So often, I find myself thinking about his words, thinking about the things that he did. This time, I started thinking about the disciples. I sort of think what they must have looked like in the moments where Jesus began to say words that were unfamiliar to them, begin to do things that probably, I'm sure, didn't make full sense to them, at least not for some time to come. And I just imagined a table full of these disciples with their eyes just transfixed on Jesus, just laser-focused as they watched him and what he did. I thought, that's who we're called to be a people whose eyes are fixed on Jesus, looking to him to not only what he did, but who he calls us to be. So fix your eyes on Jesus. And remember that on that night when he shared that meal with his disciples, he took bread and he gave thanks to God and he broke it. He said, this is my body. This is your hope. This is your promise. This is your deliverance. It is my body broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you celebrate this meal, do it in remembrance of me. And he took the cup. And he gave thanks to God and he gave it to them and said, This is my blood of a new covenant. It's a promise. Again, your hope, your deliverance, your salvation. Shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink it. Do it in remembrance of me. And so we remember and we give thanks to God and we celebrate the mystery of faith which says Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again.